Hi, I'm Rabbi Amy. I'm Pastor Ken. I'm Imam Islam. This is Kipa, Kufi, and Color. This week, our guest is the award-winning host of Vermont Edition and But Why, a podcast for curious kids, Jane Linhall. Today's topic is about beauty. Beauty. How's that, huh? I love it. Okay, we, we've done shame, and so now we're on the other side of that, into beauty. What's beautiful to you? To me, uh, the universe is beautiful. Mm. Uh, looking at the nature. Yeah. God's yeah. creation is beautiful. Of course, yeah. Is there any place in particular that, that resonate where you see that more clearly than other places? In Vermont, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I look at the, the diff- I mean, especially at this time of the year, when I look at the uh, the different kinds of the mountains, and yeah, you know, especially in the sun, uh, when the when the sun rises, and that's that's very beautiful. And there are other places in the world too. I mean, uh, when you just you get the, the peace of mind when you look at the creation of God, then uh, you know that's still beautiful. I I love nature. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Where. Tell us, uh, beautiful places in Egypt. Were there some places in Egypt that you just loved going to for the beauty? There are places, yes, on the, um, uh, especially in, in the Red Sea, the area of the Red Sea, west, uh-huh. uh, eastern to Egypt, um, in Sinai also in the places, and um, uh, by the Mediterranean. There are places that are beautiful in in Egypt, yes. And what what, um, what did they, are, are, I don't know the geography, are they mountainous, are they green and lush? Some Is of them are, some of them are mountains, and some of them are, you know, just um, very clean, clean water. Um, yeah. Uh, they love to swim in, and and yes, I mean, there, yeah, there are some, uh, anywhere in Egypt away from uh, the population. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Right. I mean, it's Egypt is actually um, uh uh, there are ninety-seven percent of the population live on three percent of the land. Wow! Holy cow. And that's basically around the Nile, the Nile yeah, from right, the bottoms. Right. That's the Nile has three percent of the land. Ninety percent of the population live in that three percent area, and the rest is just uh, uh, just uh, space. There used to be a uh, a street that I would drive on. Tullahoma was the name of it, um, and it was it was the street that had. Um, uh, I would go out of my way to drive there because it was it was maybe a, a mile, maybe a mile, but the trees formed a canopy over the street, just this brilliant green, and they were tall trees. This was down south, and tall trees, and then ivy, kudzu ivy, but green running up and down the trunks. So basically you had just this arch of green that you drove through and the sunlight would be streaming through the top a little bit, just a gorgeous, peaceful way. And I would try to drive there in the morning uh, before going to work because it would just kind of calm me down to see that level of beauty. Mm. What about you, Amy? What's something you find beautiful? It used to be when I didn't live in the mountains, uh, coming toward the mountains, when I lived in Philadelphia and New Jersey, uh, driving up to the Poconos, and then when I had the good fortune to find myself driving up toward Vermont, the the scene of the mountains mm. coming up from the landscape and and just surrounding you to me always felt 
so awesome. Yeah. So I try to make myself notice that to not be thinking about other things when I'm driving here and I can see Camel's Hump or Mount yeah, Philo yeah. and, and look looking across the lake to the Adirondacks and just hold that feeling of, wow, that's beautiful. There's an awe that that inspires. Yeah. What, what else, uh, other than nature, what are some things y'all find beautiful? Where do you find beauty? The first thing that came to my mind was a baby. Yeah. Babies are beautiful. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? What do you think? See, that was such a rabbi thing to do right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, thanks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I agree with you. I agree with you. I th- <laughs> you know, I think we're kind of hardwired. I guess that's one of the things that helps babies make it this far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they're a lot of point. trouble. Uh, that's true. That is true. I think it's something about the glory and the beauty of um, humanity and our ability to um, to continually renew humanity through birth. Yeah. There's something. There's something. Uh, holy about that. Islam, what about you? Are there things other than nature that, that you find beautiful? Yes, I love babies too. <laughs> but there are other things that also I think uh, I love. I think they're beautiful, like, you know, uh, kindness to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Justice is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I think justice is one of the most beautiful things in this world. Mm. Um, in the Quran, in many places, saying that justice is a, a principle upon which the whole world is established mm. um, and therefore if you violate, violate this principle then you will be, be actually going against this this world because everything in the world is based on justice yeah yeah so justice is beautiful i mean i, I like what, when the justice is, is applied uh, to everyone like everyone gets his um, his rights and everyone gets his uh, equal opportunity so justice is beautiful i think yeah uh, i think that echoes the torah yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, definitely. definitely. God is the most just, I believe That's so. right. And so, injustice is so ugly. Right, right, right. Oh, it's, it's, sure an yes. it's an affront. It's an affront. Yes. Because yeah. we see what beauty should be. Yes. Where are some places you've seen, we, we talk about injustice a lot, and this is going to be a great segue to the next thing. Um, but, but before we get there, um, where are some places you've seen justice? That has struck you as beautiful, either either in large or small ways. But are there some places you can think of where you've seen justice? One of the things that I like about America, to be honest with you, is justice. Um, uh, as long as it is there, I would still love it. If it's not there, I would not love it anymore. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is there. Uh, as long as it is there, I, I think everyone agrees with me that if you go to court, regardless of your faith or your religion or your ethnicity or background, you should be treated with justice. Right. Uh, is you should that right? be. That's yeah. right. That's, that's what. Uh, that's what it is now. That's what I see it now, and I hope it stays there. I hope it stays this way. See, that's really that's that's beautiful, and I guess that gets to the next because our just so one of the so for instance, statistically speaking, the wider you are, the less time you serve in jail. So for uh, you know, so our justice system isn't completely perfect, particularly with our history of racial inequality. It's not completely just. It's not completely just. It's not completely beautiful. But in your experience. You say, I see a lot of justice here. And I guess that gets me to the thing where it's so easy to see injustice. For me, it's harder to see justice sometimes than it is to see what's wrong. Right. And so I was wondering, you know, what is it about 
seeing what's not beautiful that can grab our attention so easily and fully? Maybe it's because it frightens us. It frightens us. It frightens us externally. What could happen to me? Right. But it might also frighten us for um, our fear that we could be the perpetrator of it, because we all know that we have to control our our negative impulses, yeah. and that's part of developing your moral self and uh, cultivating moral courage. And sometimes people lose it, so maybe um, we're afraid of going there if it feels like we might slip. I think sometimes that might be yeah. the case. Yeah. I guess I guess the question that I'm sitting here simmering on that I've been thinking about as we've been talking through this is how do we know when to just appreciate the beauty that's there? Do we have to always fix everything? Like I was really struck, Islam, by your statement about justice in this country because that tends to be one of the things I preach about in the negative sense when, when I see injustice in this country. Hmm. And I don't sit and appreciate the beauty we have enough. So maybe that's the value of this conversation, to remind ourselves that that's what we need to do. I mean, the first question you ask is, why do we do that? And the next question we ask is, how do we overcome that? I think spiritual practice is the way we overcome that. We have to make it our goal. That's where prayer and study uh, and um, cultivating a spiritual mindset is the way we overcome that. The why is a different question. I suppose you could say I'm avoiding it, but okay. No, I, <laughs> I want to get to the, I want to get to have the fix it. I think that's actually really important. Like maybe the why doesn't matter. Maybe it's how to live differently that matters more. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is in cultivating beauty or I guess not, I guess not even cultivating, but appreciating beauty intentionally as a spiritual practice. I think we need to do that because in our survival self, our basic animal self, we can be reactive to that which is negative. We have to cultivate the sense of what's positive, what's beautiful, what's just, what's glorious. We could so easily lose it in a minute. Man. Yeah, I think you're really onto something. One of the things I find myself doing, I wish I, I wish I could say this was a spiritual practice. It's actually just a survival mechanism. When my brain gets too full and there's too much going on, I find I work on uh, you know College Street right up right up from the from the lake, and I'll just walk down and sit on a bench and just be and look out on the lake and not think of anything. Like it's like the etch a sketch, you know, just erasing yeah. all of those lines. Um, we all need to do that. That is such good modeling. I think that's what I, I think uh, it's interesting because I, I, I'm not trying to be disciplined, but it's, it's a survival. It's purely survival. Islam, what do, do you, do you see, do you find yourself actively pursuing beauty or do you kind of recognize beauty most of the time or, or how does that work for you? I would love to pursue beauty. I mean, the only thing that I do, as I said earlier, is, uh, you know, is just, you know, looking at the nature. Yeah. I, I love nature. Sometimes I drive distance to, just, like what you did now, just to sit in a place or sit and relax. And yeah. That's uh, that's that's something that, that gives me a peace of mind. I love that. And also, if I notice any um, anything that, you know, um, any kindness in this world, I would love to hear about, 
you know, makes me feel good. Right. It makes me feel like, you know, the the whole, I mean, you see justice around, you see goodness and beauties around, it makes you feel happy. Uh, do you find your prayers beautiful? I do. I, I, I find my prayers beautiful, yes. The first prayer, which is the dawn prayer, the pre-sunrise prayer. Yeah. Uh, this is the most beautiful prayer that I've since I was a little kid when my father used to uh, wake me up and take me to this prayer. Uh, like everyone, everyone, at the mosque. Yeah, yeah, at the mosque. And when I was in Egypt, uh, the mosque was nearby the house. And, like we used to, that's a walking distance. We used to walk it there, and everyone is asleep. Yeah. And then after the prayer, we you know sit down and you know drink some. Uh, well, actually, we were like you know in our neighborhood, the, there was a store actually that. Um, uh, my father has the key to just the guy trusts us so much he gave us the key to his store oh that's cool <laughs> so we go in and we have some coffee and and, and 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 sit down and see the sunrise and since that time i just cannot miss it even be, even before i became an imam and a full-time imam they just i do it on the mosque uh, regularly i just found it very uh, comforting uh, comforting very comforting when you uh, do the prayer and you recite the quran and everyone is asleep so everything is quiet and so i found it so beautiful can you share some of that? Uh, you, you come to the mosque and you'll see. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. but I just want to say I noticed something about what you just said, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Finish. Finish. No, no. First. Sorry. So I mean, when you share, meaning sharing. Um, Can you share some of the prayer with us? It's a, you, you know, the, the, the just, it's a normal prayer. The same, the okay. same exact prayer that you, you know how we pray. Right? So it's just, yeah. So it's the time of, it's just the time of, the of time of, of day. the time of it is, uh, is, uh, what gives it more beauty than, yeah. uh, than the rest of them just the time of the, the, the it's time you know i, I ask that because mm. i find mm. I, I can't understand the language mm. but i find listening to your prayer beautiful yes yes just, just it's the, the same sounds exact, yeah yeah it's the same exact prayer right same exact actually it's, uh, it's shorter than the other the others okay a little bit shorter than the others but the timing of, of this prayer is um what I love the most yeah. for myself. That's but a lot of people are actually not doing this prayer because they're usually asleep. Right. A lot of Muslims are asleep. Right. But that, to me, this is the, a thermometer to uh, how devout you are. Okay. <laughs> that, uh-huh. that, that's what. <laughs> but I think what you've just said um, highlights where we were discussing this concept of the negative. Mm. Because you talked about how it, it's calming. It makes you feel good. Yes. It has a soothing effect. Yeah. And that is the antidote to the fear we have when we face that which is ugly and negative, fearing that it will harm us or feeling that we might be caught up in something that uh, where we'd bring harm. We did it, yeah. Yeah, that we yeah. did it. It was from the small acts to the larger ones, but the calming and the soothing and the direction that that offers you when you pray is the value of prayer. Yes, definitely. Yesterday when we had morning prayers, it was a Sunday morning, and uh, we were in the small sanctuary of the synagogue, and the uh, blinds were open, so we had this beautiful view out the window as we're doing our prayers. And the leaves were coming off the trees because of the breeze and because it's the time of year when they're ready. They were coming off one, two, three, four, five, six at a time, and it looked like it was raining leaves wow and they were floating and flying and floating and flying and then once you followed one with your eyes another one came along out of the side view and then another one out of the other side view and a person sitting next to me i wasn't leading the service our cantor was person sitting next to me leaned over and whispered 
look how beautiful, it's raining leaves. <laughs> and it didn't matter what the words of the prayer were in that moment, but we were in a prayer space, in a prayer mindset, and so that was just incredibly moving. If we'd been sitting there having a meeting, if we'd been watching TV, we might not have noticed, and we might have noticed and not appreciated. Not experienced it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it transformed the prayer experience. Wow. There's one quote I want to share, the um, prophetic quote. Um, the prophet said, God is beautiful and he loves beauty. Nice. Oh, I love it. Thank yeah. you. Nice. Yeah. It's our pleasure today to be at the studio of VPR, Vermont Public Radio, and we are with Jane Lindholm. We have asked her, and she has allowed us to turn the tables so that she can be interviewed by us. And so we're going to be talking together about beauty. Welcome, Jane. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here, and it's a little nerve-wracking to be interviewed instead of interviewing, so bear with me. Well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for doing this, and... Uh, uh, we, we had a good conversation about our experiences of beauty and, and, and how that affects our reality of the world. And, and so to start with, just what are some, some ways in which you experience beauty in the world around you? I find beauty in nature. And when I need to see something beautiful or feel beautiful or be enveloped by something other than the news, I like to go outside. And I... I find that there's beauty in Vermont in all seasons and in all forms. And there are views that I seek out that are expansive mountain views with trees and snow-covered hilltops, and those are wonderful. But for me, it's not all about the big beauty. I, I really seek out and try to be observant of small bee beauty. And the other day, when the snow just started to melt in my driveway right in the rut between the edge of the garage and our dirt driveway, there was a puddle and some little insect had already been hatching eggs. And there was this kind of circular swarm of, I don't even know what, I still need to look it up, of something, these hatchlings. And it kind of looked like an oil slick. And then some of them would peel off and there were these tiny little slightly round shapes. And so it looked sort of like uh, dandelions, you know, when they get old and, and their little fronds start to fly away at the end of summer, it sort of looked like that. Some of these little insects were sort of peeling off in the water. And I found that so beautiful. And that ability to find beautiful things in your backyard in nature for me is where I really find beauty. I'm really impressed with the level of detail that you noticed as you saw that. Because really, the, the trick in life is to pause long enough to notice. That's where beauty becomes a part of who we are. So thank you for sharing that. When I moved back to Vermont from Los Angeles and from many years of traveling around the world, I was worried that I was going to be taking a job that would require me to stay in one place for quite a while. And I didn't think it would be as long as I've been here. And so I really committed myself to trying to have micro-adventures and to observe the world around me in my own backyard and in my neighborhood so that I could not feel like I was missing something from the 
big global adventures that I had had in my teens and 20s. And I found that to be a really successful exercise because there are so many incredible things that happen every day just as we walk around. And to force myself to think and look for those has been really wonderful. There's a, there's a, um, a great rabbi's saying about how we find our most spiritual moment when we notice the grass growing. Oh, I love that. I was about to ask if, um, if you find beauty in anything else other than nature, because nature is my area, too, that I f- usually find beauty. Um, uh, I try my best to find beauty in dealing with, interacting with human beings, but not as, not as successful as finding it in nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I think nature is such an easy place to find beauty, so that, that I find not hard. In finding it in people, I'm not sure I've ever thought about it as beauty, but I really try hard to feel empathy, and especially in my job, to try to think that people... I once took a psychology class in college, and the thing that has resonated with me ever since was when the professor said, people do things that make sense to them at the time. And it may not make sense to you why they're doing something, but it makes sense to them, even if they're in an altered mindset, At the moment they do something, there's a a logic to it. And so I've always tried to keep that in mind, that even when people do things that I disagree with or that seem terrible, that there's some sense that they're trying to make. And so to tease that out of people when I talk to them for my job, but also when I interact with them just as a regular human being. And I think there is beauty in that. I think there's beauty in finding a way to connect with one another and to find... Uh, humanity in everybody around you. You can't always do it, but I think that's beauty. So one of the things that we found ourselves thinking about was how easy it is to um, to, to allow imperfection. So sometimes we define beauty almost as the absence of imperfection, so that if we see an imperfection, all of a sudden it's not beautiful anymore. It's like once you open, you take the first swipe out of the new jar of peanut butter, and it's no longer a new jar of peanut butter. And it's so easy to see the stain on the shirt or whatever it is that that isn't beautiful as we would define it. Um, do you find do you find that happening? Do you find yourself falling into that where you start seeing the imperfections and 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 how do you overcome that and and embrace the beauty? I really struggle to do that with myself. I think yeah. many of us have yeah. so much less sympathy for ourselves than we do for others. But I, in others, I often think about there's a Japanese art form and um, idea that the cracks in the porcelain or the cracks in your facade are actually what make you more beautiful. And so there are artworks that have been broken and repaired, and the, the repair is done with gold, liquid gold, that then highlights the crack rather than tries to hide it. And I've used that in conversation with people who I know who've gone through traumatic experiences or accidents that have altered their bodies or who don't feel like they're the same person that they used to be. And I really embrace that idea, but it's very hard to internalize it. It's very hard to to give your yourself some grace when you make mistakes, at least for me. And so that's kind of what I'm working on now is how to, how to not feel like I have to be perfect while also striving to do well and 
not to be lazy. I mean, sometimes I think I have an inherent laziness, and so I always feel like I have to fight against that. So how do you fight to be as good as you can be and do things as well as you can while also acknowledging that perfection isn't necessarily the goal? And I don't know. I haven't mastered that. Yeah. I wonder if that might not also be linked to being a woman, if women are, we women are harder on ourselves because of the way we've been acculturated, that we feel that we are supposed to meet some higher standard and that beauty is defined externally. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think, I think there, I, I struggle as well. See, now I'm going to tell you everything I struggle with. Great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we'll, we'll do the same. Don't worry. Put three clergy in front of you. And right. <laughs> Let me unburden myself. Yeah, I, I struggle with what is frequently termed in parental circles now as the mental load of the mother in a family. Or, you know, if there are two mothers, I think sometimes those gender roles are less prescribed. But this idea that um, that as a mother, I should always know what all of my children are eating, when their doctor's appointments are, when they're going to need new clothes because they're starting to have a growth spurt what the schedule is for everything in the household and how to let that go. But then if you let it go and something doesn't happen according to your standards, then are you yelling at your spouse about, you know, well, I thought we were going to do it this way. And I think there certainly is that acculturation for women and, you know, that idea that your beauty is external is, I mean, I don't think that's even a question, right? That's just right. what we what we're always taught in the way culture is um, – portrayed to us of of feminine beauty. And yeah, I I think that's, I don't know that I'll ever get beyond that. But it's good that we notice that we're headed there, Mm -hmm. at least in my view. Mm -hmm. And and, and I think for us to start to develop a different sense of what it means to be a woman and what kinds of expectations we should push back on. Yeah. And, and this idea of what a woman is as if that's monolithic. Right. Which it sure isn't. No. Uh, have you ever um, been annoyed by something or... Never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll take this as a... <laughs> oh, maybe I've uh, viewed something as repulsive or um, um, no beauty at all in it. And then later on, you found beauty in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. There, I can't even quite think of anything that I find truly repulsive. We were talking about how beauty is not just something that's visual. Beauty can be something we hear. It can be something we smell. It can be any of our senses touched. But it could also be something we experience, such as justice. Mm -hmm. For us, that came up naturally. Does that strike you as a form of beauty, beauty in your experience? Yes. I mean, it's hard to, in my line of work, my job is not to... Well, in some ways, my job is to advocate for justice, but not to determine what that means for everyone necessarily. It's just a wonderful feeling to realize that the work that you've done as a journalist has spurred people to action. And it's not action that is dictated by the journalism or by the journalist to say, this is what you should do about this. But that ability to illuminate an issue and illuminate perhaps an unfairness and then address it is, you know, again, I, I guess you could you could say beauty because it is, 
I wouldn't have phrased it as beauty, but there is a, a grace in that or, mm-hmm. uh, an, um, you know, a, a, an idea that justice is a form of truth and truth is beauty. And so you can sort of extrapolate right. to beauty from there. Mm. I think that, you know, we experience truth, whether that's the same truth, which I, I sort of think it is, uh, mm-hmm. but we experience it in different ways and from different perspectives, and we might name it different things. Mm-hmm. So for you, an experience of connection might be what I would perceive as an experience of justice. Mm-hmm. Uh what what I guess what connects you deeply with the world around you because that's you know you mentioned that in your first example of beauty was this deep connection to this very ephemeral moment. Yeah, I mean, I think what connects me is that we are all on this planet together, and more and more I think we're starting to come back to the idea that humans are not necessarily at the center of it or the most important part of it, but also then an understanding that each of us as individuals is not the most important part of the universe. And so I think by illuminating the experiences and the humanity of others, we start to have, if not shared values, at least a shared sense that we all owe each other something. I just... I, I find that beautiful. I, I I think that if we acted as if we owed each other something, we would live in a uh, deeper awareness of the beauty around us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I do too. And I, as I get older, I realize that more and more. And I realize how much I owe to others because of how much I was given and didn't realize it. Just all of these things that I, I just... Didn't get it, and I'm still learning. But you but, took for granted. Yeah, I totally took it for granted, and and hoping that as I grow older, that I'm more aware of those things and that and the debt that I owe to others. Well, we owe you thanks for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.